friend? Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Mamma mia. Yeah. Mamma mia. They jam along at the half boards and it came loose. Hennigan knifed it on. Brought back up by Stahl. Getting back across to Williams. Two thousand and nineteen. I am Brutes Pataglia of Puck seventy seven dot com, and I'm James Cole, uh, and I write about the St. Louis Blues for Puck seventy seven dot com, and we'll get to them <sighs> yeah. a little later. Well, no, let's just get to it now. The fucking Blues won Game Seven tonight, buddy. Nice, good for you. Here we go. That's great. Conference Finals. Weirdest game I've seen in a long time, um, because it was arguably not a good game uh, for the first three periods because it was so one sided. You know, like, if you're cheering for the Blues, it was probably a good game because you're on the edge of your seat and, like, your team just keeps hitting posts and getting chances and, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, sure, it was, I'm sure it was cool in that sense. But, like, as an impartial fan, sitting here watching the St. Louis Blues, you know, get shot after shot and the Dallas Stars have no sign of resistance for, like, a period and a half. They had three shots in a period and a half at one point. Yeah. Um, it wasn't good. Then regulation ended. And then the first overtime was pretty much all stars, and then the second overtime was for sure all stars, and then the Blues scored. So like the Blues probably deserved to win the game, but my reaction immediately because you were here, I was like, "Fuck that!" Yeah. But like the Blues were the better team. It's just like they hadn't done anything for like a period and a half. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, anybody other than Ben Bishop and Net, and that's probably like a four-one. Oh god, game, that, so, it was yeah. way more than that. Ben Bishop was incredible. Yeah. Ben Bishop had a season, man. Like, who saw that coming? Because I think, like, a, right. I, I think a year ago, like, I mean, I I knew Bishop was going to bounce back, but I don't think to the extent that he did. I don't really know if anyone really saw that coming, other than like Dallas Stars fans, maybe Jimmy Nil. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know? I I like him. Like, I think he's a good goalie, but his he's had such injury problems, and you know, you just you're never really sure with him. I guess mm-hmm. is, is what is how I feel about. He's him. never been bad. No, it's just like he's I been not his healthy best years in that. Were behind him. Yeah, and then this was probably well, one of his best years. Exactly so. because I think the issue was that is he actually healthy this year or not? Right. Right. But uh, yeah, so the Blues move on. They're going to play the winner of San Jose, Colorado. I'm going to have to be updating my. Uh, Top ten blues teams in franchise history list, perhaps. That's great, buddy. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, making a nice little run here. I think themselves. that'd be hilarious if the next article you wrote for Puck Seventy Seven was literally just you rehashing the, the but, last like, article ben, like, that you wrote. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh well, let's update the list, and like everyone's <laughs> just like, is this? 
Is this all this guy does for this website? Is just ranks blues seasons? Top ten lists about the blues. That's it. That's all I got. Top ten reasons why the blues remind me of Tom Hanks's character in Castaway. Top ten shades of blue. <laughs> Number one, St. Louis blue. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. Are you pumped then? Periwinkle. Um, is, yeah. that a, is that a blue? I think so. Uh, I'm not Googling it. No, that's fair. Uh, no, I'm pretty pumped. Like I was, I was definitely pulling for them in this series. Um, nothing against the Dallas Stars. I just, you know, I've kind of like the Blues a little better. Yeah, you've and, got more reason to kind of yeah, root for the Blues. Exactly. So I don't know. I, I think it's gelling right now. They look good. They've got enough right pieces in the right spots. No one's. I, I mean, like the offense isn't the best offense of the teams remaining. Their defense isn't the best defense of the teams remaining. Their goaltender isn't the best goaltender of the goaltenders. But, like, each, like, section of their, like, lineup is doing enough to contribute to the point where they're getting the job done. Like, they didn't know. They didn't roll over the Dallas Stars in four or five games. It took them seven games and, and a bit to, you know, get to the conference finals. Um, well, and on that point, too, right, like, the, the Blues have not played a bad team yet. Like, you, no. know, you know, like... That's a big thing. Usually bad teams yeah. don't make the playoffs, but, like... There are teams that are marginally weaker or significantly weaker than the rest of the playoff teams. And, like, you know. Like if you got fucking... to pick your first-round opponent, I don't know anybody is taking the Winnipeg Jets necessarily. No. So. And I wouldn't want Dallas in the second round, really. Sure. I mean, like, yeah. you know, there are better teams. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I said it last week. I, I'm going to stand by it. Like, I, I, th- I think the, the team that won uh, that series is going to the cup finals. So, I think uh, mm-hmm. whoever whoever comes out of Colorado, San Jose, uh, is they, I don't know. I don't. I don't see them beating St. Louis. So. Oh, I thought. I thought you said the winner of San Jose, Colorado, no. was going to the Cup final. That's what I said. Yeah, I think. I think, I think yeah. that's what you said. Yeah, you're, I am um, firmly on the San Jose train. Yeah, and I mean, like, this is where we differ too. Is like, I, I am complete opposite of you, where I don't think the Blues are capable of beating either San Jose or Colorado. But the Blues are, have been pretty good so far. So I don't know. It's hard to say. Regardless, the Blues have had uh, an awesome season. Well. Sorry. The Blues have had an awesome 2019. 2018 was not so much fun, other mm-hmm. than, like, the O'Reilly trade. Yeah. That was a good day, I guess. It, I guess. That was pretty yeah. much it. So, I mean, uh, and, like, I hate to say it, too, but, like, the Blues made some lineup changes coming into tonight, or, well, from Game 6 as well, but um, that I think helped quite a bit. And one of them would be that our boy Robert Bertuzzo was not in the lineup, but, you know, they had some more mobile defensemen back there tonight, and it uh, it showed. Yeah, it did. For sure. Yeah. No, they look yeah. good. Um, they're going to have a nice little nice little break here. They get a couple of days off to prepare for uh, uh, that uh, conference finals and as we prepare for game 7 of San Jose and Colorado as well. So, well, isn't that special? Yeah. And uh, you know, just to to keep your uh, ego in check, uh, we're going to do over/unders now. Of course we are. <laughs> Thanks for letting don't me get, get real too, high before don't get I get too real low. fucking yeah. Well, you know what? Like, we got to keep some of your hot takes in check by humbling you every once in a while. Right. Or maybe your hot takes come because we piss you off. Well, I piss you off, and then you just get like extra angry the rest of the episode, and that's why all your hot takes are coming in. You just you just buckle up for your quiz later. Ooh, that's coming. So. Nice. We're just trying to hurt each other yeah. tonight. <laughs> um. So for those of you who have never listened to the show, and I'm probably gonna stop explaining this. Uh, this game pretty soon. Shit or get off the pot. If you haven't listened to the show before, you know, just figure it out. I'm going to give James a player and a number, 
and a certain stat category, and he's got to tell me if it's over or under that number. So I'm going to be like, hey, did Miroslav Shetan score 42 goals in his career best goal-scoring season, no, higher he, or lower? No, he did not. I, I don't know. Probably not. But, uh, yeah. So there you go. And then uh, we're just going to do that like 12 or 13 times, and we'll see if James uh, James passes. So he needs to get over 50%, so it's out of 13 if he gets 6 out of the first 12. Uh, but we'll see how he does. That Miro Shatan one counts, by the way. That's Nope. That's real. Nope. Uh, your first player for career total points. What did they end up with at the end of their career? I decided uh, to give you a little bit of a veteran special on this one here. So we got a few few guys who played uh, a long time in the National Hockey League. A few. Okay. Uh, first career total points. Tony Amante. Over or under 850 points in his career. Hmm. Um... For some reason, I th- I think like, like Tony Monte has got one of those weird number like final number like eight ninety nine like he was like one point off or something like that. I'm gonna say over. Good pick. Uh, he does have a weird uh, final number. He got nine hundred points in his career. Nice, nice and even. Nice. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was I was actually one point off of my guess. Yeah. that's that's great. Yeah, no, you're you're really nailing it so far this week. You're one for one, as you seem to always go one for one. I've but been studying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just typing in random guys, eh? Darius Kasperitis. Just going through all my hockey cards. Stats in the back. Got it. Nice. Next card. Nice. Let's do it. Uh, Number two. Mm. Mike Comrie. Heir to the the Brick Fortune. (laughs) Over or under 475 points in his career? Under. It is significantly under, sir. Mm. I was surprised to learn that Mike Comrie only got 365 points in his National Hockey League career. He retired early. Two for two. Yeah. Look at you. Uh, Your final career total point player, Brian Leach. Nice. Over or under 1,100 points in his NHL career? Over. It is under, good sir. 1,028 points Mm. for the Hall of Fame defenseman. Two for three. That's, no shame in losing that No, one. no, there isn't. We'll move on to career high in goals. So their best goal-scoring season, as per the example from earlier. Mm. So uh, one, one season. It is not, yes, yeah. it okay. is not Miroslav Shatan. Mm, uh, but I am looking for former captain of the Washington Capitals. Chris Clark. Steve Konowalchuk. <laughs> over or under 28 goals in his best NHL season. Over. It is under, mm. good sir. 24 in 2000 and 2001. Two for four. It's 50%. Yannick Hansen, over or under 20 goals. Mm. Former Canuck, former Shark. Under. It is over, Jeez. good sir. Yannick Hansen had 22 goals in 2015-2016. For what team? Uh, I believe he was still with Vancouver. Huh. Yes. Uh, you're two for five, but we're going to go to a former Toronto Maple Leaf here, as I guess we did in the last category too. <laughs> former Toronto Maple Leaf, Brian Leach, everyone, you know, you know, you know how you think of Brian Leach, uh, your final career high in goals, Yannick Perot, over or under 30 goals. Under. It is under. Yannick Perot had 27 in 2001-2002 as a member of the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, 10 more than I thought he had in, as a max in a career. So. Oh, man. He, he uh, I, I want to say he had like 
four or five 20 goal seasons, and he had over 60 points a few times. Wow. Yeah. That's well, he went to the All Star game the one year with uh, with the Coyotes, hmm. and it wasn't one of those like we got to send someone. It was like he legitimately earned an All Star spot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're three for six, so par for the course so far. Yep. Uh, career final goals against average. So what was this Jeez. goalie's goals against average when they retired? And we got a few more Toronto Maple Leaf specials uh, here. I'm 0 for 3 in this category. Yeah. I, I, just... I think you are 0 for 3 all time, anyway. I, I will be after this as well. Andrew Raycroft. Over or under 2.75. Under. It is over. <laughs> sure. 289 was his final goals against average as a goaltender. you got to remember, he only played uh, like 80 games, and 72 of them were for Toronto. So, mm. um, Scott Clemenson, former backup for Marty Brodeur, former Toronto Maple Leaf, over under 2.65. Over? It is over. <laughs> 2.79 was Scott Clemenson's final goals against average. You can you can hop above five hundred here with this next one if you were, if you were Good. to get it right Good. before we get to your favorite category. Uh-huh. Roman Chechmanic, over or under two point three zero. Over. <laughs> you will be shocked to know that Roman Chechmanic retired. You ready for this? With a 2.08 goals against average, making him one of the best goaltenders in NHL history in that regard. Four for nine. It's no shame in that. Uh, You need to get two out of three here to get to your tiebreaker question. And we are getting to everyone's favorite category, career total games played. If you're new to the podcast, James has about a, uh, I'm going to say like an 18% success rate in this category. So it should be fun. Uh, number one, former Toronto Maple Leaf, Victor Stahlberg. Over or under 525. Games? Yes. Under? Uh, 488, good sir. Yeah, it is under. More than I thought he played. He played for like nine seasons. Yeah, for like three games a season. No. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. No. I watched them all. Yeah, yeah, you were you were watching a lot of the check, Ottawa Senators in 2015. Check my Victor Stahlberg rookie card before Ooh, I came over. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, number two, West Walls over under 750. Over. Oh, uh, it is under, good sir. 607. Uh, so you need to get this next one correct to get to the tiebreaker. Otherwise, it is yet again another failed week on over or unders, and your. First make-or-break player this week. Did Ken Klee play over or under 800 games in the National Hockey League? Over. 934, my good friend. You are getting your tiebreaker question. 6 for 12. Sorry to disappoint everyone at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's okay. Um, it, it's not too late yet. I know we're all cheering against me. so. Yeah. My question for you as a tiebreaker... Is Glenn Murray, former LA King, former Boston Bruin, a former 40-goal scorer or not? Uh, yes, he is. 
Glenn Murray has two 40-goal seasons to his credit. You passed this week, James. I believe that's your third successful week. Womp womp. I know no one wants me to You need a happy sound. Yeah, like, I know, but yeah. no one at home is happy. I'm happy. But I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not thrilled, but whatever. You, you did great. People are bummed at home. You did great. Uh, for what it's worth, Glenn Murray had 41 in 2001-2002. And 44 in 2002-2003. Nice, yeah. Uh, so you kids at home, go ahead and Google Glenn Murray. He I looks know. exactly how he sounds. That's true. Yep. Can confirm. Um, what's what's going on in the world of hockey? Anything? Is there anything interesting? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> there is something interesting. The, uh, the women have said, fuck it, we're not playing. Fuck you. It's awesome. Bye. I guess I should sum that up. Uh, the the current members, or well, current at the time, members of the NWHL have decided not to play hockey this year. And then some. And uh, first, well, some at least this year, anyway. Yeah. Oh no, I thought you meant like beyond this year. Oh, I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. no, but um, yeah. So they've they've decided that uh, until a proper league is put in place, until there's support from the NHL, until there's support from the outside that they really have no reason to put the product on the ice and force people to play a game that is very physically demanding uh, and, you know, very financially demanding and, you know, all these things. They aren't going to play until they have the support that they need. I support it. Sure. I I think that... It'd be weird if you didn't. Well, I think... <laughs> here's here's the thing. I, I think that they're doing a very a very noble act. Like, they're, they're standing together. They're trying to Im- you know, improve their conditions, but... I, I don't know I don't know if this is going to work because who are they appealing to? Like the NHL who doesn't really need them? Like it'd be great if we all could get along and, and the NHL could support them because I think they should 100% the NHL should be backing these women and putting the best hockey product outside of the men's league you know on the ice for people to see because people should see this kind of stuff but I just I don't I don't see how the NHL looks at this and says yeah, now we're screwed because they're not going to play. Meanwhile, our product still exists and people are still watching it and they're not really losing anything. It's, it, it makes them look kind of bad in the public eye. Well, but that, that I think, is where the women are trying to go here because, uh, you know, you, you, to your point where you say the NHL doesn't need them and my answer is that not right now. But as this spirals out of control and as... You know, the women continue to, to do more and try to appeal to more fans to try and get more support. Um, if the NHL doesn't jump in and sort of be the first to kind of, you know, we're going to give you more support, it's a really bad look for the league, and I think it's going to do some damage with fans. Now, you know, I still think I'm a practical thinker. Is this the end of the NHL or something? No, like, it's not really going to have a big fucking effect on the actual National Hockey League. Um, but... I do think that there is going to be enough friction with the people who, you know, who who want to see more support from the NHL. I think this is going to gather more friction and cause the NHL to basically support them in the end. Um, Now, how long that's going to take and what kind of steps it's going to be in the meantime, that remains to be seen. You know, it's hard for me to really say that, but... You know, it doesn't really affect anything immediately other than it just gains them more support, I think, in terms of the hockey community. Overall, anyway. Because they certainly didn't get support from everyone on the internet the other day. Uh, There were a lot of people who just basically said that the women should kind of give up 
and that no one really wants to see women's hockey anyway, and, like, that's just kind of not true at all. Like, right. it's, you know what I mean? Like, that's not I accurate just, whatsoever. Like, where does the NWHL go from here? Because if they don't have a league, mm-hmm. like, if they, don't, if they don't have players, sorry, to play in the league, then they basically have two options. Shut down operation. Mm-hmm. And then there's nothing. And then what are you striking for? Because there's 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 no, you know, end game here. If, if you've got no league to play in, regardless, all of a sudden now the NHL doesn't have anyone to support. And that's that's their easy, you know, excuse out. Is, well, we would have supported you guys, but, oh, ho-hum, your league folded. So, you know, mm-hmm. now we don't have anyone to give our support to. Or the league tries to continue by... I don't know, bringing in replacement players to fill the the gaps, and and then the quality in the ice just goes yeah. down, and then no one's maybe as interested as as they could have been if you've got these stars that are sitting out. I don't know. Like I, I support them at the end of the day. I just I don't I don't see the maybe I'm missing the big picture here. I like sorry, I see the big picture, but maybe I'm I'm missing where they think that this is going to succeed is all because I don't see anytime soon anyway uh something well it's it's not a quick fix regardless like there's really but i think it has to be if if, if you're thinking that this is going to make a, a difference because if you go too long then the league's either gone or the league's left you behind so i don't know like well i, I mean it, it but it depends it depends how quick you're thinking though like this isn't something that's going to resolve itself by the end of the month but no. this is something that i think you know they're probably going to miss a season and a year from now, there's probably going to be some steps in place. But, you know, to me, like, this is just appealing to NHL fans that want to see a female product. Uh, it's appealing to young hockey players everywhere. Like, I think there's a case to be made that eventually people are going to ask the NHL to step in. Or fans, there's going to be there's going to be campaigns, there's going to be things that are going to, to cause a bit of a rift. And I, I think it's going to force the NHL's hand a little bit. Um you know, whether or not the NHL needs to have complete fucking control over this new league and full autonomy, like, I don't think that's really what they're asking for. It doesn't need to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there needs to be some more of a partnership. There's no doubt to me that the NWHL, it's just a matter of time, like, the writing's on the wall, and I don't think that that league is going to be around as we know it um, in the future. Like, I think that league has essentially folded now because of this. But, like, I, I just don't see how they can sustain it because I mean you're right like the replacement players is kind of an interesting thing that I had never really considered but um the product would be really fucking bad I think because like it would be like even the women who are fringe and close to being in that league a lot of them are gonna say no like who's gonna say yes it's gonna be people like our fucking Olympic hockey team a couple years ago where it's like this is the best you're gonna do you know what I mean this is your best option um and, you know, you don't really have any other choices. It's it's going to be whoever's willing to say yes yeah. and hop on board. Um, you know, it, it's... It, I think they have to do it. Like, I, I just... I don't see how... I know, I know what you're saying. Like, I know it's hard to imagine how this affects anything immediately. But I do think there is something to be said big picture because... I, I just, I don't see how they could have waited any longer. Like, the time is now, because of what happened with the CWHL, they had to do this now, I think. And um, I'm glad they did. It caught me by surprise, I'm not going to lie. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They have to do something, because it's not right, it's not fair. 
and this is the way they saw fit. I'm sure that it's a decision that they've all thought about, and I'm sure they see things on the other side that maybe we don't, or have been told things that maybe we don't know, uh, because this isn't obviously something that Hillary Knight and a few other girls thought about overnight and sent out a text and said, hey, by the way, you're not fucking playing next year. Send out a tweet in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like You know what I mean? Like They they were obviously kind of talking about this, I would think, over the past few weeks and months, and uh, good for them. I I think it's... it's, uh, I think something needs to be done, and I, I admire the extreme that they took it to. Yeah, something does need to be done, but my fear here is that the process takes so long that we get to a point where the Hillary Knights and the Marie Philip Pilons are, are no longer playing. Mm-hmm. You know, we've exhausted their careers because we've we've put on this this legal battle behind the scenes for so long. I mean, it, and then it, there's some there's some phenom say that's fourteen or fifteen years old by the time. That you know she's old enough to be a star in a women's league, she's just willing to take whatever comes her way. I just want to play hockey or mm-hmm. something along those lines, right? And and then maybe that progress that was being built towards kind of takes a hit in that regard because the new wave is, you know, less interested in this battle that they didn't fight as opposed to just playing hockey. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm worried. I hope I hope this does something. I, I want it to do something. I want it to mean something. And I want change, but I, I just, again, maybe I'm missing it, but I, I don't see yeah. where it's, it's going to happen. Well, I mean, I, but I think the women, like, I think, I agree with you in the sense that I guess it's possible that this goes on long enough where, like, Hillary Knight and Poulin and, you know, all these other players are reaching the end of their available playing time because it drags on that long. I can't imagine this dragging on for fucking five or ten years, but, like, it... I think the women who are involved see the bigger picture in the sense that someone needs to do something and they are the major voices, right? I think this comes to a point where, like, I'm sure they thought about what you said, and I think Hillary Knight and some of these other women are more than willing to sacrifice their career to be the pioneers that set things up for the next generation. I hope so, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think this is just something where it's... They're going to do whatever it takes. They're determined as hell, and and uh, I agree with you. Like it, it could backfire, but I don't see how the way that they were running things was going to be sustainable anyway. No, that's, like, that's you know true. what I mean? This was going to come to a head at some point, and, and uh, I'm glad they, they took control of the situation, and uh, you know what I mean? The ball is in their court now, and it's, uh, it's, it's good. Best of luck. It's good. I hope, yeah. this, I hope this works. Yeah, because I, uh, I'm, I'd be pretty down to watch a competitive NHL, but for women, like you know what I mean. I'd be, com- yeah. I'd, I'd be really interested in it. And uh, part of the reason why I have never really gotten on board with it over the years is because those leagues were not sustainable and didn't really have a great business model to try to attract more fans and to grow the game. Those leagues were never going to get any bigger. Um, so now we need to set things up where we can market the sport better. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where we're at. So, yeah. yeah, good for them. I think it's badass. I think it's awesome. Good for them. And uh, and I think it's the beginning of a really, really revolutionary era in hockey. So, should be good. The Vegas Golden Knights announced Kelly McCrimmon as their new general manager this week. If you're not familiar with Kelly McCrimmon, Kelly McCrimmon is, uh, was the assistant general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights. And now he's the general manager. Um, What's a title? Yeah, so by the sounds of things, I mean, 
by from what I hear, and this is you know, uh, I'm not gonna say that other people are reporting it, but like I've heard like certain well-known reporters mention that they have heard this, that Kelly McCrimmon really has been kind of the mastermind behind this team, and he kind of has been the one making a lot more of these decisions than George McPhee, and at the end of the day, it all went through McPhee, but Kelly McCrimmon was kind of the genius behind this team. So, the move didn't really surprise me, but I think what was more surprising to me was what went down with Edmonton versus where he's at now. So, like, George McPhee still signs off on everything. Right? Like, that was made very apparent with this announcement, was that George McPhee still runs the team, but Kelly McCrimmon's mind is sort of the one that's bringing all this shit to McPhee that is making McPhee look smart, for lack of a better way of phrasing this. So, what was interesting to me was that it was reported that Kelly McCrimmon, well, Kelly McCrimmon definitely interviewed for the Edmonton Oilers, um, but what was reported was that uh, he asked for full autonomy, and the Oilers said, no. And then he stayed in Vegas. So... To not get full autonomy. To, because if you're going to have a boss, no, would you rather... I, no, I no, it, I'm just but. saying, like, if, you, if you're going to have a boss, would you rather have George McPhee, who has brought this... Like, helped you build this team and bring them to a fucking Stanley Cup final in their first year in existence? Or would you rather go to Edmonton, where the media's going to try to run you out of town and fucking feed you to the wolves in the goddamn Rocky Mountains? Or... You know, chill in Vegas. The wolves of the mountains. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the rams and shit. So, like, uh, fuck, like, no-brainer fucking decision for Kelly McCrimmon. Like, it'd be stupid for him to consider fucking going to the Edmonton Oilers right now. To work with Bob Nicholson and these fucking guys that are going to tell you what to do and make you look like an idiot like Peter Shirelli looked. Whether or not Shirelli was really an idiot, like, we're never really going to know to what extent he's an idiot. We'll never know. We kind of know. Do we? I mean, like, he did a fucking way worse job in Edmonton than he did in Boston. And I think that, like, I think that has something to do with the people above him, is all I'm saying. Maybe. Yeah. It wasn't pretty at the end of the uh, Boston tenure, for sure. No, no, but it was way fucking better than what happened in Edmonton. Like, way better. Yeah. Because Boston never had to rebuild. (laughs) They were getting close. Edmonton needs to tear this apart. Their rebuild was firing Peter Shirelli. I guess. I don't know. I don't really see it that way, but... What was your reaction to the McCrimmon thing? I guess would be my first question to you, if any. I don't know. Like I never, I never saw him leaving Vegas. So the whole interview thing with Edmonton was maybe the most surprising part of it all. The fact that like they even allowed that to happen, I was kind of shocked. Um, he always kind of seemed like he was going to be the heir apparent in Vegas, um, regardless of that meant if that meant uh, McPhee was going to leave or, or go elsewhere or just get bumped upstairs, which is what happened. Um, but I, I agree, Kelly McCrimmon has always seemed like, you know, the, the next the next best GM that, you know, didn't have the job already um, in the National Hockey League. I'm a big fan of Kelly McCrimmon. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think he's it's, really fucking smart. It's, it's going to be it's gonna be a good hire. Well, I shouldn't say hire. It's, it's going to be a good move. Um, I'm curious to see just how much um, flexibility he's, he's given now that McPhee is no longer the guy with the title, um, and 
you know what? And and, and now the the attention shifts back to Edmonton, where um, you know now they have to scramble and and go for their number two choice or or whatever um, that ended up being. Um, so I don't know. I I, I obviously I, I think Edmonton would have been wise to do anything within their power to hire Kelly McCrimmon or any competent general manager for that matter. Um, they saw it differently, I guess. They had a different idea for how they want to run their front office. And and uh, needless to say, I, I don't think it's going to work out for them too well. So, Edmonton? Yeah. Well, let's get there. Um, the Edmonton Oilers officially named Ken Holland as their general manager today, uh, formerly of the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Holland was the GM in Detroit for how fucking long? Like two decades or some shit? About that. Yeah. Uh, a really, really long time. Um, so Holland had been rumored over the weekend to be taking uh, this deal, uh, which is... Uh, people ask me, why would Holland want to take the job? Um, because it's it's he really has nothing to add to his legacy at this point. Um, because he did such a good job in Detroit for a long time. And then didn't do such a good job in Detroit for a while, but for the most part, you know, has been really, really good at certain things, right? Um, why would he want to take this job in Edmonton? I don't really know this for sure, but just based on things I've read in the past, is we know he's agreed to a reported five-year, $25 million deal, which, to my knowledge, is incredibly higher than what he was making in Detroit. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. But millions of dollars more a year than what he was already making. So, money talks to a certain extent. Um, you know, I think, and we're going to get to Daryl Cates in a second, but I think that Daryl Cates has a lot of things to offer, money being the most important one, but has a lot of things to offer in an owner that is attractive. And it's not like the Illich family doesn't. It's just the Oilers job probably looks nice and shiny. Because uh, the nice and shiny arena, the nice shiny Connor McDavid, the nice shiny money from the owner that he's willing to put into the team to help you, you know, succeed and do whatever you got to do. Yeah, I don't like the hiring at all. I, I, to me, all they did was hire a Peter Shirelli with a better legacy at this point. Because, uh, you know, who, like, what's the big move that people look at with Shirelli as being a bad move? I guess Hall. Hall Hall was not a great trade. The Red Wings have not exactly hit a lot of home runs in terms of their trades the last few years. Um, One thing that they really, really made some mistakes with was their free agent signings, which um, Milan Lucic was reportedly deciding between Buffalo and Edmonton and Detroit. And he took Edmonton because he wanted to be in Canada. But the reports are that Detroit offered him the same fucking contract. And he just went with Edmonton instead. So, if this is the sort of frame of mind, and we're like pro-Lucic and pro these sorts of signings years ago, that, that does worry me. And I'm not saying, like, he's going to come in and spend stupid money this summer but like it's not great it, it, it doesn't really look good like Franz Nielsen was one of your big signings in Detroit didn't work out 
I'm just, I'm a little concerned about the direction he wants to take it in, considering it's still Nicholson, it's still McTavish, it's still fucking Kevin Lowe's probably there, I don't even know. Like, it does worry me. I don't, I don't love it. It's not a forward-thinking sort of hiring, I don't think. I'll, I'll say this much. I, I just you know, breeze through a few of the the recent Detroit Red Wing trades. Um, I, I think Ken Holland has a pretty good eye for making trades. I've never never really seen him make what I would call a, a haul for Larson type disaster. Of a no, trade. but no one has. Made sure, a trade but I've that. never seen like an Eberly for you know what would be Barzell. I've never seen. You know, uh, who who are the defensemen that they picked up? The others there tried to scramble out of deep water with Drake Kajula and all that. Who, who's the defenseman that hit McDavid? Manning, Manning. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Do your homework, James. Well, I mean, these players are so bad that you can't remember their names. Then there's a reason <laughs> that you shouldn't be trading for them. So, but no, so what I'm saying is, is Count Holland is is a more competent trading general manager than uh, what the Oilers had. The Detroit Red Wings attract free agents. They also attract, you know, players that other teams are interested in. And you could make the argument that anybody would have given um, Franz Nielsen the money that Detroit ended up giving him, and they were just the team that got the opportunity to do it. So it looks bad, yes, I agree. But that doesn't let that only lets other general managers off the hook because they avoided a mistake that they were going to make anyway. So Yeah, my point, though, is that if he's going to be dipping his feet into the free agent market, um, Edmonton is not a team that should be dipping their feet into the free agent market, and Detroit definitely wasn't at the time either. That's where I was heading, though. Like, Edmonton doesn't get the same kind of interest in the free agent market as Detroit does. So you're a certain mm, number of the players that... Didn't. I don't know about now, but... No one wants to live in Edmonton for seven To play with months. Connor McDavid within, with a owner that's willing to spend money and you know what i mean Maybe. or would you rather go play in a in a fucking uh, you know right beside flint <laughs> if you're comparing the two teams strictly then sure i get i get what you're saying but in a, in a 31 soon to be 32 team league there's lots of options for these guys now and i, I don't think edmonton's too high on anyone's list so detroit has a, yeah. a, a prestige not right now but it. probably in the grand scheme i would say they are maybe yeah I don't know. They have to make some big changes if if, if they're going to be. But that that's what I'm getting at is they didn't make a big change. Like I, I like all they did was add a new voice to the old boys club. To me, this hiring is just uh, avoiding a PR nightmare by hiring certain other members of the old boys club. Like you could have done one of two things: you could have blown up the front office, got rid of all these fucking Nicholsons and all these guys. Like it, it, just because these guys have had success in hockey in the past. It doesn't mean that they're going to have success in the future. And just because they're going to or they're not going to have success in the future doesn't mean that they haven't been brilliant hockey minds in the past. Like you're allowed to be really really incompetent at your job now and still have a legacy at that job. If you're not willing to adapt and move with the sport, then what you can't be involved in sports. Sports is literally just constant in, like evolving. If you're not willing to learn new things, You've stopped doing your job, to quote Mike Babcock. So, like, to me, Nicholson, yeah, he ran Hockey Canada. He did a decent job, but he doesn't. that doesn't mean he knows how to run a National Hockey League team. Sure. Same goes for Kevin Lowe. Same goes for McTavish. McTavish was a decent GM for quite a while, and he's not, and a coach, and he's not competent anymore. 
These guys, for whatever reason, even if they know what they're doing, they're such bad influences on each other that I don't think it helps. I don't see Ken Holland being the most progressive thinker. What I will say is he does seem to have the work ethic that I don't know a lot of GMs have, and I like that factor. Because if they're going to be building through the draft, Ken Holland's going to have a lot to do with that. If he's going to put in the work on all these kids, these prospects... I think this has helped some I think this helps them draft, but I'm worried that that isn't the direction that the team's headed in is all is more of a rebuild think through the draft sort yeah. of thing. I think the Oilers are going to try to force this and get it right immediately, and I don't think Ken Holland's the guy for that. I, I agree that Ken Holland is probably not the right guy to be hiring at this stage um, of his career, uh, especially. If you've got a, an upcoming team that you're trying to you know rebuild and, and bring back to glory, I do think that there's something here in terms of if you're not going to clean house, if you're not going to get rid of all the old boys upstairs, then why bring in some thirty year old that they're not going to listen to anyway? You may as well bring in a guy like Ken Holland who actually may carry some weight in those conversations. Who those guys may look at and say, hey, you know what? This, this is Ken Holland. He was great when I was great. He was better than me now. Or he was better than me then. He's better than me now. I'm going to listen to him and maybe take his advice. And, and maybe it works out for them. And that You're regard, not but. wrong, but my concern and my point is that I don't think what Ken Holland's going to have to say is much different than what Bob Nicholson and all those guys think already. Like, I just, I don't think that some guy coming in and spewing the same bullshit that you're spewing and fucking feeding off your ideas and telling you that everything you've been doing is great and you're so damn close... It's not what this team needs. This team needs a fucking tear, like a sort of a tear down as best they can, um, with still leaving like Drysital and McDavid obviously in place if you can. I think McDavid will stay patient and not fucking panic too much as long as he's hearing they're headed in the right direction. And I think Ken Holland can talk him off the ledge. Like I think that is one valuable thing about Ken Holland, but I do think eventually that this doesn't go well. Yeah, and it you know what I mean. Stopgap, you know, we don't know. Yeah, like it, it may buy you a little bit of time, but if that's what you're trying to do with this hiring, you're going to lose McDavid anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So it, it is what it is. Now I do sort of want to attribute something um, to this hiring as well. A, a kind of a bizarre sort of story that broke out today is that uh, did you see the press conference? Didn't see the press At conference. All? Saw the headlines. Don't know the so. Uh, Ken Holland sat down at the table ran the, and had the press conference today with Edmonton Oilers owner Daryl Cates. Um, and it was a really weird day because, like, you're watching a press conference and you're trying to listen to what they're saying and all you can think about is, what the fuck is wrong with Daryl Cates? The guy sitting at the table today did not look like Daryl Cates. And uh, so a news story broke later today that apparently the Oilers owner has been um, battling a potentially life-threatening infection over the past few years. Um, so first off, like I like Daryl Cates. I'm, I'm not saying he's done an amazing job with who he's put in place in Edmonton because, again, I strongly disagree with the management team that's there. But I think there's something to be said for what Cates did to bring that arena to the rink or to bring that arena to the city. 
because I'm not so sure how healthy the Edmonton Oilers would be right now if they were still playing in Rexall Place with all these other issues going on. Like, the fact that they have a state-of-the-art, and I've been there, like, it's a fucking beautiful rink. Um, you know, the fact that they have that, it helps this a little bit. It helps attract free agents. It helps attract, you know, fucking Ken Hitchcock and things like that. Like, you know, it helps. Um, I do sort of wonder how involved Daryl Cates would be if he were healthy and if a lot of these people would still be there. Because there was a little bit of a discussion today where, like, I think Cates made a comment even that he said he hasn't been around the team quite as much because of this, which is fair. The dude looks, he doesn't even look like the same guy. Like, it was very, it was scary, honestly, to see. I really felt bad. Um, and hopefully he's all right, because I I, th- I think he's a good dude. Long-term but, prognosis from what I know, is positive. It is good, so, and yeah. so that's a good thing. But I did sort of wonder today that if, <clears throat> if Cates were able to focus strictly on the oil well not strictly on the oilers but focus more on the oilers than he than he has been i don't know like part of me wonders about that if this would still be happening you know i think so yeah yeah it's hard to say like he hired them right so he he hired well not all of them but he hired some of these guys he brought in bob nicholson you know um he's chosen to stick with mctavish and stick with uh kevin lowe he you know, was very hands-on with the Shirelli hiring. It's just, to me, like, the thing that worries me, like, I don't see much that went differently with this process than what went on with Shirelli. Was that, we're close, but we need someone who's had success to kind of put his footprint on this. Mm -hmm. So, Shirelli's available, we're just going to hire him, we're not going to interview anyone. And the Oilers interviewed Kelly McCrimmon, and then Holland wanted the job, and they said, "Oh, you know what? Let's just hire Holland." Like it to me, it's just eerily similar, and I sort of wonder if it would be going on if Kate's had a little bit more to say with it. But yeah. it's hard to say. Like he's a businessman; he's not a he's not necessarily a hockey dude. Otherwise, he'd be running his own fucking team. Yeah. Like you know what I mean by it's, himself. It's it's encouraging to like s- Tom it, Dundon. It's it's encouraging to say that like we know that the Oilers went out and tried to get McCrimmon first, so there there is that to the story like you know Ken Holland wasn't the you know he wasn't their first choice it was kind of like yeah this didn't work out with the guy we wanted so we're gonna pick up the next best thing so because I don't, I don't know if that's what happened though I think Holland wasn't necessarily available at first was the whole thing because he wasn't available a month ago the oil the Red Wings didn't have Iserman yet right you know what I mean like this all sort of happened I think McCrimmon was the only real one that they talked to last week from what it seemed like and they made all these interviews last month with Fuda and, you know, Keith Gretzky Hunter. and these fucking guys. Yeah. yeah, I'm Hunter. But, like, they weren't necessarily last week. Like, I, I only heard McCrimmon last week. Mm. And I then once know. McCrimmon was gone, then we went with Holland. But, I, I like, to not even interview the guy is just weird. Like, I'm sure there was a 20-minute phone call with all the guys in the room and, like, Hey, Kenny, how's it going, you fucking son of a bitch? And, you know what I mean? And then they're like, all right. We'll go have beers, and then they hired him. But, like, yeah. I don't... Like, it didn't sound like it was a formal interview. Probably not. No. No. Because, I mean... I don't know. Like, it, it almost does make sense in a way. It's like, should you have to interview Kevin or Ken Holland? I would, because I'm not Ken Holland's biggest fan. But, like, you know what I mean? I guess he's done enough where maybe, like, we're going to have that... I don't know. I don't agree with it. I think it's a bad hiring. Maybe Ken Holland called the others. Ooh. <laughs> even worse. Like, that's even worse if they didn't fucking pluck the dude. 
Oh, man. I don't know. But anyway, uh, basically all I'm saying is uh, I want it to work out in Edmonton because even though I bash them every week on this fucking podcast, I, like, the Oilers were my second favorite team growing up, man. Like, I'd watch the Leafs and then I'd watch the Oilers. And if the Oilers weren't on and it was the Flames, sometimes I wouldn't watch. Or the Canucks, I wouldn't watch. I I was a big fan of the Oilers growing up, man. Ryan Smith's one of my favorite players of all time. So I want this to work out, but I really am nervous with these same fucking guys still running the team. So I wish Ken Holland the best. I do wish all those dudes the best. Like, I do like Craig McTavish. I just think he's... He's his past course. his prime. Yeah. Um, I like Daryl Cates. I wish him the best with his recovery for sure. Cause, uh, cause, uh, yeah, yeah it, it seems tough, but I, I have my doubts. We'll see. They got we, Connor McDavid, so for now, yeah, for now they do. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are cool. That, that they are. <laughs> uh, the Hurricanes swept the Islanders. Good call. Did you make it too? Did we both make that call? Yeah. Nice. Nice, Nux, man. Nice. Right on. Nice. Um, We're one for twenty. This is mint. I'm loving it. I like, you know, trying to avoid being a bandwagoner here, but I love it. I'm loving it. I was playing Chell against Mike Warren last night. We were up drinking pretty late, you know, because you know I'm a professional, and uh, uh, I, I meant just professional. Like, yeah, never Drinker? mind. Drinker? Nah, no, that's actually not what I meant, but it did sound that way. So whatever, who cares? Um. I was playing Chell against Mike Wern. We had a best of three series at like five o'clock in the morning last night, and uh, I swept them as the Carolina Hurricanes. Get your brims out. Yeah. Nice. So they're just they're just rolling. They're something. Yeah, like I don't I, get it. I'm a, I, so it's cool. The reason I wanted to talk about this though was like to just sort of reflect on I, I mean a how wrong we were, but b like just how hilarious it is like the course of this season for them to get to where they are. They spent. Not even 80% of their cap. And they got here. Their owner came in and said... So, like, Tom Dundon comes in, says that he's going to, like, have full control over the team. And we're like, okay, that's probably not good. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to interview anyone to be the GM. It's just going to be Don Waddell because he's already here and I'm already paying him. And then, like... Everyone's like, well, Don Waddell ran the Atlanta Thrashers into the fucking ground. How's that going to work out? And then, like, what did Don Waddell do? Oh, he got Nino Niederreiter for free. Did he make the Hamilton trade? I think Dundon made the Hamilton trade. But, like, I think Waddell was in office when the fucking Hamilton trade happened. Maybe. You know? So he did that. We're going to, hey, oh, by the way, I know we're already paying one of our goaltenders $4 million a year, but we're going to sign Peter Morazic and claim fucking Curtis McElhaney off waivers and have three, you know, really bad goaltenders on the roster. And then what happened was, is as everyone saw coming, Peter Morazic turned into like a 920 goalie and fucking Curtis McElhaney's the best backup in the history of the NHL apparently now. Uh, and, and what's he going to do? He's going to hire a head coach who has no head coaching experience, has no coaching experience and we're just going to be like yeah you know what he's going to be the guy because he played for the team while firing the most the guy who played for the team who used to run the team and now you have to pay him to not run the team it sounds real bad folks because like even no no no. this sounds worse than what the Edmonton Oilers yeah did yeah but except it no it doesn't well no it kind of does (laughs) does it 
The Oilers traded Jordan Everly for a paperclip. I get that. But, like, you could kind of see what they were trying to do. And could Oilers, you? And you, you can. Maybe you're part of that. Maybe you should be in the old boys club in Edmonton. I'm not saying it worked. I'm just saying, like, hey, we're going to have to pay Connor McDavid all of our money someday. We can't afford to give part of that money to Jordan Everly, so let's try to get something cheaper. Right, let's and, give it to Milan Lucci. And, like, credit words do, Strom's not looking too bad these days. So, like, obviously there was something there... You know, in terms of what they were thought they were getting back, it just never materialized. And at the same time, they're spending money. They're trying to win. They're near the cap. The Hurricanes were just like, ah, nah, we're not going to pay anybody. See, but man, like the Hurricanes are more in tune with, I think, where the league is headed. And that's, you don't necessarily need to pay out the ass for guys who were successful on their old teams. You need to pay for guys who are going to come in and be successful and you, and the data points that they're going to fit into your system. And the Hurricanes have one of the best analytic part departments in the NHL, and Definitely. it's working for yeah. them. I like. I think there's something to be said for, like, don't get me wrong, they're going to have to pay these fucking guys. Like, Sebastian Ajo is going to get eight and a half or more million a year moving forward, probably. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some of these guys are going to get paid. Lucas Walmark's got to get paid. It is what it is, but, uh, like, man, they, they haven't, I'm saying the Hurricanes haven't gone out and made a stupid free agent signing other than Scott Darling, and that was under the old regime. So, like, to me, this is, this is great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think they're in a great position to just sort of roll with this moving forward because they haven't done anything stupid. Don Waddell's winning GM of the year, isn't he? Yeah, you know, the great GM of the Year award that everyone cares about and definitely no, agrees just, with. It sounds weird. Just just say it out loud. Try it. Say it with me. Don Waddell. Don Waddell was a GM, GM this year. year. Yeah, I, I heard G- it. Of of the year. It was a GM this the year. best GM. Oh. Better than every other GM. See, now, I don't know how you could give Don Waddell that award, though, considering the fact that David Poyle is the winningest GM in the history of the NHL. Listen, like, I think the Hurricanes have done a great job this year. Um... I think it's been a lot of fun. I'm fully embracing this. I think it's mint as fuck that even though they've only made the playoffs like three times in the last like 18 years that they've uh, that they've basically like almost won the cup in every single one of those years. It's great. They've got more conference finals appearances than the San Jose Sharks in the 2000s mm-hmm. with four. But they've only made the playoffs four times. Yeah. It's wild. It's great. It's fantastic. Great stuff. Joe Thornton's been on the Sharks that whole time uh... too. Um, so we got... Hurricanes, dog, you got them Hurricanes, you got the Bruins, who you got? Hurks are coming out in their uh, Whalers jerseys for warm-ups, right? In Boston, like that's just like a power statement. God damn it. Right? That's, I hope Dun- not. Dundon's doing that. I hope not. He's going to make them do that. I hope not. I hope, I kind of hope they do. What, uh, what say you? Hurks, Bruins. Bruins in five. Yeah? Yeah. Why's that? Rask's playing at the top of his game right now. Uh, we still don't know what's up with Morazic. I love Curtis McElhinney, but I just I don't I don't know if he's gonna be able to carry this team past the Boston Bruins. Um, Pasternak seems like he's back. I think I think Carolina takes game one, and then it's four straight for Boston after that. Cool. Yeah. I don't I don't like it. I don't want to say those things. Sure, that's fine. Well, I'll give you something. Maybe it'll make you feel a little bit better. Hurricanes and six. Okay. I'd like that. 
Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I and I would say Hurricanes in five. I just I think the Hurricanes are better at home. The Bruins are better at home. And uh, I also think that, like, the goaltending will catch up with the Hurricanes in one of those games. Just because the Bruins' offense is better than than probably any offense that the Hurricanes have played in the first two series. Like, I don't know, you could make the debate Washington, It's but it's close. Yeah. You know. It's just like, if that top line's going, because Washington, or sorry, the Bruins have better depth than anything they've played so far. So, well, certainly better than the Islanders. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, but I, I do think, like, here, here's where the difference is. I think, why well, I, I don't think, I know for sure that the Bruins have not played a defense as good as the Hurricanes' defense in the first two series. So I like the fact that Slavin and these guys are going to kind of, you know, hopefully breathe the life out of the Bruins at certain points, and I think they can. Um, I don't know. It's just... Uh, knowing the fact that Zdeno Chara is going to be on the ice against Sebastian Ajo at certain parts of the game, it doesn't give me a lot of faith in Boston. I said the same thing with Perrin and Duchesne and uh, Yeah, yeah. But I, I see what you're saying. I still, just... the, like, Chara was still really bad in that series, oh, though. Oh, he was. Yeah. Rask was fantastic. Watching him skate, it's like, what I the think? fuck? Like, you, were you watching Chara skating at all? It's like, what the fuck happened? Like, your speed should be worse, but your form should be the same. It's like watching your How? grandparent get old. Oh, it... yeah, but I love my grandparents. That's true. I don't really love Zdeno Chara, and I know you don't. No. Yeah. Don't it's know. like watching the old, scary man from down the block who would go and play at the outdoor rinks. That's yeah. a weird scenario. I, That's never happened. I, I 100% agree with you, but I've, I've said it twice, two, two rounds in a row now, I... I just I, I think if Zinochar was that big a problem for them, they would have been out, you know, yeah. a couple rounds ago. So. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he he may want to try another sport at yeah. this point. I recommend you try another sport like knitting. Um, okay. Well, I think that's it for the uh, the Hurricanes. You got anything else you want to say about the the Hercs, the Jerks, bunch of jerks? Go Jerks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm on board. I just I don't know if I I think the magic might run dry. That's sure. all. I'm scared. Magic scared, might. Scared brutes. Okay. Yeah. I'm not. Good. I feel good. good. Yep. I I can't introduce no, the quiz can't. that I don't know and, what's happening, uh, James. I'm kind of just waiting for you here. No, I, yeah, I, I, I thought it was after the next uh, segment. So no, we're we're good no, to go it's, here. No, it's it's next. Now yeah, we're good. We had a conversation last weekend uh, or last week, I suppose. Sure. Um, about we had all, many conversations. We did. About a lot of things not doing with hockey uh, as well. Our, our our episode was, you know, we featured some Jays, we featured some raps, we featured some, some TV, some movies. Um, all before we got to any hockey talk. Is this a Toronto quiz? No, it's not a Toronto oh. quiz. So, what movie was filmed at Pearson International at Gate 25 in 1982? You, uh, you had a comment that, that inspired this quiz, in fact. Oh, goody. And, uh... Self-inflicted wound. Yeah. Friday night, I went and saw the newest Avengers movie. <laughs> and... Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm so pumped to be so bad at this. I gotta say. Oh, this is great. I'm really glad Yay. it's over with. Really? So, what do you mean? You're, was it bad? It was okay. Really? It was fine. That's Did sad. The job. That's sad because I cheer for the. I still, I still want you guys to have a good time at these movies. Yeah, I just don't give a fuck. But it was like, impressive, like 
what they did. It's just, again, sure. it was like I would have taken it a different way. I thought there was a better option to, to run the story. But I'm not the guy writing the story, so whatever. They did it. It seems to be making no. some money. No, you're not. <laughs> so. But, uh, yeah, so uh, in our discussion last week, you mentioned that uh, you could take a quiz and not know anything about this stuff. Yes. So I thought I would do just that. Let's do it. I have got ten actors on a list here. Okay. And you're going to tell... I'm going to give you the name, and you're going to tell me whether or not they have appeared in one of the Marvel oh, um, Infinity no. movies, the, the 21 films I, I from got, the series. I got to tell you, tw- there's 21? I thought there was like 58. No, there's 21 Jesus in, in, this, Christ. in this series. Jesus Christ. That's it, eh? So, I, uh, so now i got to tell you one thing. I feel like if you were to ask me any aspect about these movies, though, this is like the thing that, that I might be alright at. Well, I, but I we'll see. I didn't want to like mop the floor with you and, and have you oh, get superpowers or something so in in <laughs> thor returns to the magnarok does blah 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 happen when he goes to get the secret stone did did thor's father odin defeat the space pirates in the fourth century or the seventh <laughs> yeah no nothing that difficult i'm gonna try to keep it uh, somewhat easy for you or not well easier i suppose uh give you a fighting chance to yeah i mean you did pass over unders so i did yeah good good for me yeah okay so we're gonna get going i do have a tiebreaker if it comes down to it uh but we've we've got 10 names it's a it's a yes or no uh number one glenn close no Glenn Close plays Nova Prime uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, you know who I was thinking of? Helen Mirren. Mm. Can confirm Helen Mirren doesn't appear. Yeah. No, I was thinking of Helen Mirren, though. When I was, like, picturing it, I'm like, nah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Glenn Glenn Close made an appearance. Right. So, unfortunately, you are uh, 0 for 1 at this point. Yep. Uh, Number 2, Tommy Lee Jones. Hmm. That's a tough one. Because although I can't think of what character he would play, Tommy Lee Jones does make some really interesting film decisions at this point <laughs> of his career. Um, I'm going to say no. Tommy Lee Jones plays Colonel uh, Chester Phillips. Of course he does. In Captain America, the first Avenger. So he's the, he's he's what, Captain He's, he's the he? colonel that colonel? recruits Captain America to, so he to like... join the armed forces okay. in World War Two. Sure. Yeah. It was okay. It was, it was a good performance, actually. You know, yeah. I mean, it's no man of the house, I'm no, sure. No, it really isn't. This is my happy face. Yeah. Uh, so you're over for 2. Okay. Uh, number three. Yep. Ryan Reynolds. Ooh. Let's go Yes. Uh, no, uh, Ryan Reynolds uh, sure. has played a couple superheroes uh, in his career, but none of which for yeah. the uh, Marvel. I didn't know if Deadpool was a Marvel guy or not. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's it's funny because he because he is, but, but it, different it's Marvel universe. in the sense that yeah. like Tobey Maguire played Spider Man, but it was never anything to do with this this storyline. So, okay, uh, that was supposed to be the trick question that that fooled you, but uh, unfortunately, it's left you at zero for three. Uh, number four. Uh, one of one of your favorite actors, I believe. Ooh. I could be wrong, but uh, uh, Michael Keaton. Nice. Um, former Batman. Yeah, I think yes. 
Uh, that is correct. Uh, he plays uh, Adrian Thames, uh, also known as Vulture, in uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, the newest Spider-Man, uh, where we return to uh, the Marvel universe with Spider-Man. So that's that's good. Okay. It's good. Yeah, he's the bad guy. It's great. The yeah. Uh, num- number five. Good old Captain Jean. Rachel McAdams. Yes. Yes, uh, she plays Christine Palmer in Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange's uh, lovable ex-girlfriend. So. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the trailers. You're two for five. Um, number six, Jude Law. Ooh. See, now that's a tough one, because although Jude Law is also one of my favorite actors in a sense, I also have no idea what he's been up to lately. Mm, okay. Uh, but I will say he has been in a movie. Uh, this past month, Jude Law... Uh, was Jan Rog in Captain Marvel, uh, an alien, um, <sighs> fuck, evil tyrant? I guess I don't know the best way to describe that, but yeah, um, I could have gone the rest of my life not knowing that he played that character. You're, you're up to fifty percent at this point. You're, yeah. you're making a little bit of a comeback here. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Uh, that is correct. Uh, Peter Dinklage plays, uh, a, a, ironically, a giant dwarf, uh, Itri, in uh, Avengers uh, Infinity War. He's the guy that makes Thor's hammer. So that's that's neat. Maybe I have seen Infinity War, because well, I remember maybe. seeing him in a Marvel movie. Okay, that's the only one he's been in. So I, Maybe I have seen it, I don't know. Okay. I might have thrown it on while I was hungover one day, and just woke up and there's just a giant Peter Dinklage. Oh, fantastic, that's yeah. the way to do it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. There you go. <laughs> Uh, you're you're four for seven. Congratulations! You're, on, you, the, you're on the right side of this. Yeah, well, it's not done yet. You know, uh, you know, uh, just gotta get the gotta get the final sixty minutes. You know, yeah. gotta get through the sixty minutes. There you go. It's not over till the the crying. You know, uh, gotta get the uh, both both feet on the ground. You know, it's uh, you're you not you're not. Uh, there's pain coming. You know, uh, there's, there's pain coming. If you uh, if you say you know uh, you you polish one shoe but you don't polish the other, you know, your shoes really polished. You know, so uh, you gotta finish the job. You know, uh, execute. Number eight, Robert Redford. <laughs> no like I, I don't even care if the answer is yes I'm saying no out of principle hmm. come on uh, Robert Redford come plays on. Alexander Pierce grow in up both Captain America Winter Soldier and uh, Avengers Endgame oh my god uh, he's the evil secret leader of the uh, uh, Hydra organization so shouldn't he be out there playing on like a pickleball court or something what the fuck's he doing <laughs> In a movie still. Pickleball. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it seems like an old, rich, white sport. All right, we got two names left here. Sure. You're sitting four for eight. Yes. Number nine. Jennifer Lawrence. Ooh, Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, n- no. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence uh, does appear in Marvel uh, movies, but not the... Marvel Universe films. Uh, she was in the X-Men, yeah. X-Men films. Right I know there, that. So. Yeah. Uh, you're correct. Jennifer Lawrence does not make an appearance. See, I knew X-Men was separate, but yeah. There you go. I, yeah. All right. If you get this one correct, you get the win, and we avoid the tiebreaker. Uh, if you fail to get it correct, we have... Fucking uh, tiebreaker's going to be on Pacino, left. isn't it? Uh, number 10 is Sylvester Stallone. Come on. How is this not the tiebreaker? <laughs> <laughs> Who could be funnier than Sylvester Stallone to be in this fucking quiz? Um, I'm I'm gonna say yes because I don't know how the hell 
you would have thrown me that big of a fucking obvious curveball. I gotta say yes. Uh, yes, uh, Sylvester Stallone <laughs> plays Stakar O'Hare in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay, see now here I was thinking that uh, that uh, John Rambo was actually one of the Avengers. Go home. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, Thor, you ready to come over here or what? <laughs> Hey, we gotta go back to Bob's house. <laughs> I'll show you a hammer. <laughs> uh, so congratulations, you, you passed oh, the quiz. Man. Can um, I have the tiebreaker just can. out of fun? I gotta know. Jeff Bridges. I thought it was gonna be Paul Giamatti. <laughs> um, Jeff Bridges, I'll say yes, just to, just for fun. Yeah, he uh, way back in 2008, the very first film in the series, he was an Iron Man. He was uh, Ooh, Iron Man. I knew that. Tony Stark's buddy there. Yes. Obadiah well, I knew it at one point, I mean, but yeah. 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 Because I think I have actually seen Iron Man. But I just didn't care. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... Cool. There, there you go. That's you, you did better than I thought. So congratulations. Thank you, sir. I was going to try to make it more even, like like half and half, like half yes, half no's. Nah. There was just so many weird, nah, no, weird you, people you, that showed up. Uh, coming from the guy who does the over-unders, you got to just stick, with, stick to your guns. I, go uh, with what sounds best. A, a late cut, Miley Cyrus, who does appear in a film, I was shocked to find out because I didn't know that going into it. So, there you go. Fun, Miley fun Cyrus. Yeah, eh? she, she plays some as Hannah Montana. No, oh, too bad. Um, I wanted to bring up quickly. There was a weird fucking thing on Twitter this week uh, where people were saying that Elaine Vigno is starting controversy by starting Matt Murray over Carter Hart at the Worlds. At which point, I would argue to those people, uh, Elaine Vigno wants to win at the Worlds, so he's starting the better goaltender. Elaine Vigno's got a beard now. Did you see that? Yeah, he looks good. Looking good. He's looking good. I'm excited. Yeah. I hope to see that guy back. Now, hope to see him back. <laughs> well, you will. <laughs> well, winning, you know? Like, yeah. like back at the oh, top. Oh, okay. I don't, don't want to see him. Like... Now, uh, just quickly while we're on the topic of Elaine Vigneault, uh, the Flyers also announced Mike Yo and Michelle Terrian as assistant coaches today. Power move. Uh, Triforce. This is weird, eh? Something. I just, like... I. Th- I don't know, man. Like, how comfortable are you if you're Alain Vigneault? Oh, they brought in two guys that have done this job before. Well, I just like I think it's weird because even though, like, sure, like Terrians had success, Yo's had success, and you know, I wouldn't necessarily hire them to be a head coach now. But you can make the argument that they're both two like really good coaches, right? In the grand scheme of things, um, just because they're really good coaches doesn't mean that they're going to get along with Elaine Vigneault or with each other or like. Well, did, didn't Vigneault coach under Terrian? Maybe I in Montreal, coached, yeah, yeah you, you could be right. Under, under so say that's a thing, though. Where does Mike Yoga fit into all this? I don't know. Weird. I mean, he was he was hired by Chuck Fletcher in Minnesota, so there there's some oh, familiarity there. God, um, but fucking old boys club, man. It's everywhere. It's an infection epidemic at this point. The fucking old boys club. Except for Toronto, it's the young men's club. You know, one day we'll be the old men's club. First off, like, we talked about Vigneault, but just, like, do you think it is, like, bizarre to kind of bring those guys in, or, or no, I like do you think it. it's alright? I think yeah? it's fine. It's just, it's weird, eh? Like, I, I don't know. Like, we've seen head coaches move to assistant coach jobs before. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why Tarion is, like, there. I sort of get yo. I don't I don't really understand Tarion being part of that, but... I think at a certain point, like, I'm, I'm sure Tarion, like, auditioned for the... The position auditioned, <laughs> yeah. uh, audition day. He came in with a fucking cape, singing Sweeney Todd. <laughs> <laughs> the 
the demon barber of Fleet Street. Um, I'm sure he applied for the position. <laughs> you were spellbinding, Michael. <laughs> A plus. Um, so maybe they liked him. Maybe there was something there, and then and then maybe Tyrion's other options fell through. Uh, he wants to get back into coaching. Doesn't want to coach the World Juniors. Doesn't want to take an AHL job. I I, I don't know his situation, but I think he's a good coach. I think he deserves a shot somewhere. I'm glad he's getting one. Um, yeah, I don't mind Michelle Tyrion. He's yeah, all right. It's, it's fine. Like, he's fine. He's he's fine. Um, I really like Mike Yo. And then, and then, on top of that, look, I, I think I think Vigneault's a fantastic coach. But there has been issues in the past where, like, you know, certain guys just won't play for him, and he's got a bad reputation with the younger guys. When the Philadelphia Flyers have got some young guys coming in, and maybe this is just a, you know, a safety net. Like a couple months into it, maybe you know, you look at what happened to St. Louis this season, and. You're never really out of it. Maybe that's the maybe that's the way to look at it from yeah. now on, right? Like, you know what? It, it's Christmas and we're not in the playoffs. Oh, it's not so bad, you know, because there's still that chance. This is forever going to change things now. The way we look at um, coaching jobs, the way St. Louis handled their season. Mm-hmm. So maybe you Yippee. make that switch, um, and then and then instead of trying to you know bring in someone that's maybe a borderline coach, you know you've got Michelle Terrian on the bench. You know you've got Mike Yo on the bench and guys that have done the job before and. I, th- I think it's a smart move because now you're, you're filling your you're filling your bench with guys that that know what they're doing. Um, should it come down to that, so you know what'd be cool is if uh, next year the Leafs start off like five and fifteen, and then they fire Babcock and Sheldon Keefe leads them to a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, like it, it, thing this can't happen. be a hockey podcast if we don't bring up the fact that Mike Babcock will get fired every week. So. Um, quickly, I wanted to touch on something before we get to our top 10 this week, because uh, we do have another top 10 for you. As we teased last week, uh, we've got a, a nice little trio of top 10s here for the next three weeks. Um, but I did want to touch on something, because you didn't have an opportunity to talk about it last week. It happened after we put the episode out, or, well, between putting the episode out. Uh, was with the passing of Jason Botchford of The Athletic, of TSN's That's Hockey, as well as the the the, 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 the Pravis, the old province. Um... I, I was curious if you had any thoughts, if you had anything you wanted to share about Botch, really. Um, I mean, like, I, I, I'll i say this much. I took a listen to last week's episode, didn't know uh, that uh, you had that uh, beautiful intro prepared. Uh, I think that was a, a real nice touch. I don't think I could have said it any better than that. Um, beyond that, beyond what you uh, you alluded to last week, um, just that, that Botch was one of the most you know genuine... Uh, down-to-earth hockey guys uh, that was that was covering the sport. Um, you know, he, he always had time for not only, uh, you know, fans that wanted to reach out and touch with him, but, uh, you know, aspiring uh, journalists, like, you know, you know, guys that are going to, you know, one day take his job or, you know, compete for airtime or readership. Or, or likely have or, a take that he is definitely going to, uh, exactly. to disagree with. Yeah, and, you know, that's all, you, that's all you've been hearing the last few days is just how much... How much he influenced so many people, yeah. and always had time for anybody that had a question. He's just and, a real dude, eh? Like, yeah, I, it goes I think, beyond the hockey. I think one thing that like really resonated with me the way that the hockey world reacted to Botch uh, last week was um, was I, I I listened to Puck Soup obviously with uh, with Wyshynski and McIndoe and and Lambert and Wyshynski was talking about his his run-ins with Botch over the years and times where they disagreed with each other. And uh, on 31 Thoughts last week, Elliot Friedman 
um, talked about Botchford and Jeff Merrick also shared the fact too that uh, Merrick and Botch also didn't get along really all that well at points. But between Wish and Botch and Merrick and Botch was the fact that they could get along away from their dis- their disagreements. And Friedman had also had experiences with him too, but Friedman said that, you know, him and Botch were able to put it aside and, you know, they would disagree, but then next time it didn't really matter, you know what I mean? And and he told a, a hilarious story about uh, Botch calling out Friedman on social media or in one of his columns or something one day, and the next day Friedman walks into the press box at uh, at Roger's place, or, uh, yeah, is that is that their rink? The Rogers Place, Rogers Arena, uh, whatever the like the Vancouver Arena, we'll call it, and uh, and Botch just like looks at him with a big smile and starts laughing, and he says, "What the hell are you doing here?" Kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was able to just sort of disagree with you, but that wasn't the end of the world, sort of thing. And and Jeff Merrick like reflected on the fact that he really wished he had had an opportunity to make right with Botch over the years, and they never really did, and. Um, you know that's uh, that that kind of got me thinking too, just about um, the way that you treat people, the way that you handle your personal relationships on a day to day basis, and just to leave it all out there, you know, because it's uh, it's always hard to tell when something like this is going to happen. You don't know, like you know, you want to be living your life to the fullest and making right with people that you've you've wronged and things like that, and. Um, you know, Botch was a guy that that handled his personal relationships incredibly admirably and admirably by the sounds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, we'll we'll make a note here that uh, uh, for anyone that's interested in learning more, the Athletic has unlocked all mm-hmm. of his stuff. Um, so uh, normally behind a paywall, but it's it's going to be free for life now. And and uh, go check it out. It may, it may not be current, may not be relevant, but it's still some good writing. And yeah, I read I read a lot of good stuff uh, yeah. of his uh, over the past few days. And um, fuck, I got to get my uh, subscription to the Athletic. Oh, if you use yeah. the promo code soup, oh, uh, here we go. <coughs> um, all right, our top ten. <laughs> top ten. Top ten. Top ten. Top ten. Uh, our top ten this week is uh, the top ten Ben Stiller roles. Uh, so if you didn't listen to last week's episode, this is part of a trio we're doing where this week we're doing Ben Stiller, next week we are doing Owen Wilson, and the third week we are doing Vince Vaughn roles. Now, what's interesting about this is, instead of doing, yeah, instead of doing top ten movies, we've done roles, funniest roles. Uh, reason being is because I'm sure there's going to be some overlap, because I don't know if you've seen a movie or two, but these three actors tend to collaborate more so Wilson and Vaughn than Stiller and... Wilson or Stiller and Vaughn, I think, maybe it might not even be true. They're all part but, of the same, uh, like agency or something. So like, yeah, get, well, because because yeah. there's their comedy group, and then there's like the fucking Seth Rogen and and Jonah Hill and Danny McBride and like those guys, you know what I mean? And then there's like Will your Ferrell, Will Ferrell and John your John C. Riley kind of thing, right? So and they do tend to overlap, but not a lot, yeah. you know. So, uh, but yeah, we thought a fun way would be to explore the funniest roles that Ben Stiller has had in his career, which uh, I realized I forgot a crucial one that's uh, going to be pretty high on my list. So you go first. All right, uh, I'm going to start off with 1999. Um, the role is Furious from the Smash Mouth All-Star Music. I'm just kidding. Um, of that, he does appear, though. Uh, number 10. Yes. Josh Kovacs from Tower Heist, 2011. Okay. Yeah. 
I don't know. Um, I quickly realized that there's like eight slam dunks, and then everything else is just kind of equal. Sure. So, I don't know. I didn't mind this film. Um, it's a little later in his career. It's the newest film I have on my list. Um, and it, it's fine. It does the job. It, it's 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 some it's something where he's a little bit more serious. He's actually the one that isn't supposed to be the funny guy in the group, but you know he he, he keeps his humor and it's it's fine. It's good enough. It's number ten. Good enough. Yeah, it's good enough. It's number ten. What what a what a beautiful tribute to uh, to our good boy Ben Stiller here by being and like all yeah, the home runs. It's Jesus Christ. Well, I, I okay. Here's where I would disagree. Uh, my number ten is uh, Sam Sweet and Stan Sweet from The Cable Guy. If you have not seen The Cable Guy from 1996, uh, it stars Jim Carrey and, you know, Matthew Broderick and, you know, just, you know, like, the boys. And Ben Stiller appears in it only as a news story on television over and over again about this, like, serial killer sort of thing of these two twin brothers, Stan Sweet and Sam Sweet, and every single time they show them on the TV, it's just like Ben Stiller being one or the other brothers. It's fucking hilarious. It's just an ongoing gag. I'm not even sure Ben Stiller has a line in the movie, but it's absolutely hilarious. Like, just watching him just stand there and sulk and be crazy. It's great. Yeah, it's yep. fantastic. Yep. yep. You're number nine, sir. Number nine, uh, Larry Daly. Night at the Museum. Okay. Yeah. I, I enjoyed this film just because it's kind of one of those... Um, You're probably a big zookeeper guy too, aren't you? No. Never seen <laughs> it. Um, it. It's kind of that childish idea of what goes on in the museum once the lights go out. and he, he was kind of I think he was the right guy for the role, and he kind of ran with it. He is the right guy for the role, I'll give you that. You know what? And, and, and hey, the film also features a Academy Award winning uh, Rami Malek. Who plays the uh, the Ferris. There you go. Go go for Rami. Sure. No, don't. Sure. Uh, my number nine is Tommy from Friends. Uh, oh. Ben Ben Stiller appears in Friends. Yeah, I didn't include TV shows. That's uh, yeah, yeah. No roles. Yeah, Just no roles, I, I, buddy. Yeah, I was, I was thinking film, okay. but yeah. Uh, well, would you put Tommy on your list? Oh yeah, yeah. Josh Kovacs was number ten. You paying attention here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you mentioned that, I was like, has he only seen ten Ben Stiller, like, things? Like, uh, whatever. I mean, um, yeah. Well, I mean, you're more of a Friends guy. Maybe you'll sum it up. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. I thought maybe this was going to be the episode Friends is on right now. It's titled, what, The Screamer, I believe, is the title of the episode. I believe so. And, and he's... Dating Phoebe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so whenever he's around Phoebe, he seems like a normal, nice, charming, kind of down-to-earth, simple guy that you'd want to end up oh, he's with Prince in charming. New York City. Yeah, he's Prince Charming. But whenever Phoebe leaves the room and he's left with the rest of the Friends gang, he turns into a screaming maniac who, who berates each and every one of them to some degree. Uh, until finally at the end of the episode, Phoebe walks into him during the act and, and uh, ultimately ends the relationship then and there. But his his ability to just switch, flick a switch and just go from mild mannered, you know, ho- you know, home guy to you know, total mental case is is, is, is fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah, 
definitely would have made my list if, yeah. I, if I was thinking big picture here. Yeah, man. So. It's all good. Yeah. What's your number eight? Uh, number eight for me is 2003's uh, Duplex. Nice. Me plays. too, man. Alex number Rose. eight. Hey, nice. high five, buddy. Fuck, that movie is great. Like, uh, underrated, man. I forgot about it. Oh, and then, so like, good. Cause Cause I'm, I'm trying I'm to going, remember. It's I'm, Drew Barrymore is yeah. his wife, right? Okay. I'm, I'm going through like his IMDb page a couple days ago, and I'm yeah. just like, I get duplex. And, like it strikes. I'm like, oh, it kind of yeah. sounds familiar, and I look it up. So Holy funny, man! Shit. I like about that one. as soon as I yeah, I, same with you, and, and like as soon as I saw it on there, I have this urge now. I want to watch Duplex because mm. I haven't seen it in years yeah. and years. But it, fuck, uh, for those of you who have not seen Duplex, uh, Drew Barrymore and Ben Stiller are living, you know, in a duplex. And uh, there's this old lady who lives upstairs who's supposed to be nice and sweet and be a real good time. And she's actually the devil. And, uh, you know, it's just filled with hilarious hijinks and uh, this relationship of, you know, this old lady kind of seeming nice to everyone but being an absolute royal bitch to uh, Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore. And, of course, Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore are together because why not? Why wouldn't Drew Barrymore be the girlfriend in a... 90s romantic or 90s or early 2000s romantic comedy yeah, everyone she, yeah. she played every single one yeah i guess it's not really in a romantic comedy this one I've, if anything it's an it's anti-romance yeah. in a way because uh i think they end up breaking up uh no no i thought they didn't they stay may together, break but... up at some point in the movie i'm sure well, together, i'm sure they do they, you know they you can't end up together you can't deal with that shit yeah. all the time and no, expect sure. everything to stay happy yeah. it's a great film yeah. uh ben stiller's great in it watch duplex i recommend number your number seven guy um number seven is arturo mendez from uh, uh he was a late cut that's Ron fair though Burgundy. yeah um oh four literally only shows up for the uh the, the tv the fight scene yeah the fight all the news sorry, channels yeah, the are, news, are news meeting channel, and, yeah. and yeah and the news teams one by one you know here's here's uh vince vaughn, vince vaughn right and um the other Wilson brother there, uh, Luke Casey Kelso shows up, yeah. and uh, yeah, and then for whatever reason, Ben Stiller's playing the Spanish television anchor. Yeah, like as I'm going to get to later in this list, I think it's kind of funny how Ben Stiller is constantly teased as like this semi-Latino <laughs> type actor. You know what I mean? Because like. Again, we'll get there, but like there is like sort of a, a joke about that in some other movies, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just funny. It is funny. Um, hilarious. He's probably only got like like one line in the whole scene where he just like declares. That oh, he yeah. He just rolls up and say Arturo Mendez, blah blah blah. Yeah, like, Spanish Latin news, news and, and then like yeah. that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious though. Yeah. Uh, my number seven is David Starsky, 2004 Starsky and Hutch. Well, my number six is so let's just get nice. That out okay, of the yeah, do it. Yeah. The basically the the line that inspired us to do this. Yeah. That. Man, that movie is so funny. Like, start. It was such a good remake. It's an underrated one, I it think, really is. because you gotta remember too. Like, what helps the movie, and you know, not to take anything away from Ben Stiller Spoiler. and Owen Wilson, but is the fact that um, a major character in the movie is Vince Vaughn in one of my favorite Vince Vaughn performances. Like, I gotta get this off the table. I love Ben Stiller. Vince Vaughn may be my favorite comedic actor of all time. Like, I he fucking kills me. So like. He helps that movie, but Ben Stiller is the star of the film. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's See, great. Like, I, Do it. And I was talking to someone the other day about, like, and she said, like, doesn't, I don't like Vince Vaughn. And I thought, okay, that's, like, that's fine. I, I get it. Like, everyone's different. I'm like, well, why don't you like him? 
well, he's just the same in every movie. I'm like, okay, I still kind of get it. But then right away, Shanim's like, oh, but I loved him in this. And it's just like, okay, but he he just does that again and again and again. According to you, anyway, yeah. Like, really well. Yeah. Like, how do you not like him here, but you you can like him? I thought it was really weird. It is people really that weird. People that don't like Vince Vaughn, they're kind of weird. No, it is really weird. You should out. tell that person they're weird. I will. Yeah. So, yeah, number six is... is Start uh, for me as well. Yeah, uh, you're you're not wrong. Great, Do it. great remake. Um, <laughs> fucking hilarious. Snoop Dogg is is great in that film as well. Yeah, Huggy Bear. Uh, Huggy Bear. Yeah, yeah, great. Yep. Um, my number six is Ruben Pfeffer. Along came Polly, two thousand and four. Um, another underrated, underappreciated film, and again, like I will say, probably the funniest part about the movie is actually Philip Seymour Hoffman as uh, Ruben Pfeffer's best friend and former child star. <laughs> Fuck, I can't even remember. Sandy Roberts, maybe, is his name or something like that. But man, like Ben Stiller was perfectly casted for this role in this movie because I don't know if anyone other than like now Paul Rudd. But Paul Rudd wasn't that big at the time. Like, Ben Stiller was Paul Rudd just before Paul Rudd kind of thing, right? And he does such a good job of playing this character who uh, who works for this agency. And he is, like, an insurance agency, he assesses risk management. And how, uh, you know, just like, how risky a certain client is going to be. Like, what sort of lifestyle they live. And uh, he lives a very closed-off life, but he's trying to wheel... Uh, What's her name? Jennifer Aniston there. So, uh, he's trying to, like, you know, branch out and do all this stuff that's, you know, making him fun and interesting. Uh, his, his boss is played by Alec Baldwin, who's phenomenal in the film. Like, it's a great cast, it's a good movie, um, but basically what happens is, uh, yeah, he's on his honeymoon with, uh, Deborah Messing, and then she cheats on him with the pool guy, played by Hank Azaria, Cloud. Are you guys for scuba? What does that mean? I'm like the unofficial scuba king of St. Bart. So if you are for scuba, I take you out on the boat. I'll show you the coral reef. We have kind of like a, like a scuba party. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's a great movie. Ben Stiller's the star and he's fantastic. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, are you for scuba, Luben? No, number five for Not me. Not for scuba. Number five, Hal L. from Happy Gilmore. Nice. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. My fingers hurt. Yeah. What's that? My fingers hurt. Oh, well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty. Fantastic. It's the best. The guy has, like, like four lines tops to it. Not many. Thing. Yeah, it's not a lot. Uh, every interaction is killer. Uh, perfectly perfectly cast for that role. Yep. Like yeah. if, if you had to pick anybody to play a psychopath, old-age home caretaker, your guy's Ben Stiller. Yeah, now we know. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, I'll get there. Uh, my number five... And maybe a little, like, should be higher on the list, I think people would maybe argue, but it is what it is. Uh, my number five is Derek Zoolander of Zoolander, 2001. Uh, honorable mention, I guess, goes to Zoolander 2, but I preferred Zoolander, okay. as I think most people did. Um, his exchange at the graveyard when David Duchovny, former male model, is trying to, like, you know, tell him that there's a conspiracy to, like, kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia and all this stuff. And he explains to him why they're using male models, and then, like, 
Ben Stiller just looks at him dead in the face and goes, but why male models? Are you, are you serious? I just explained that. Like, it, every time just kills me. Um, I've got the black lung pop. Like, it's just, it's classic. He does such a good job of playing this brain-dead um, male model. It's great. Another another uh, underrated uh, Jerry Stiller Ben Stiller moment. Uh, King King of Queens. Nice. He shows up to play uh, someone's. He plays someone's dad. Ironically, and and, and he's got to deal with Jerry. No, I, ironically, Ben Stiller's playing Jerry Stiller's dad. Like Arthur's, Arthur's like rehashing an old memory from when he's a kid. His dad is. Oh, is that how that is? Okay. Ben Stiller, okay. and then there's just a young guy playing Arthur. I, I thought he was playing um, uh, Kevin's dad from a flashback, but you, it's, Kevin James's? Yeah. No. no okay. No. Okay. No, that's, that's actually no, that's, that's so, yeah, cool. it's even funnier. Yeah. He's playing his dad's dad. Nice. Yep. Tell your dad. Yep, tell your dad. Uh, number four for me is Ruben oh, I Pfeffer that was your number four. from okay. uh, Along Came Polly. Nice. Ruben Pfeffs. Yeah. I, you know what? This was like one of the, like, probably the first film that I watched thinking like, oh shit, Ben Stiller can act. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it just kind of... Yeah. Like, 04, everything before that was kind of like... I always like... sort of thought that Ben Stiller wasn't funny when I was younger. Because I couldn't really, like... I didn't really didn't get... it. I didn't get it. Yeah. And now I get it. And you know what I mean? Like, he's a perfect straight man who just plays this uptight sort of person usually. Like, it's great. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. Fantastic. That was your number four, Ruben Pfeffer? Number four. Nice. Uh, my number four, Tug Speedman from uh, Tropic Thunder, 2000 and s- 2008. Uh, basically, Ben Stiller is the greatest action star on the planet. He's in all these stupid, cheesy, sort of fucking superhero action movies. He's, uh, he's Chris Pratt, basically. And, uh, yeah. And then now he's, uh, now he's, uh, trying to make this war movie. Somebody left the fridge open. Yeah. And it's Scorcher 6. Global Meltdown. Yeah. Um, it's great. He's fantastic in the movie. Um, he gets kidnapped at one point by you know these this uh, these backwoods drug sort cartel, of fucking drug yeah. cartel, and uh, he has to react his entire movie Simple Jack, where he plays a young uh, slow boy, <laughs> and it's it's incredible. <laughs> um, slow boy. Yeah. Yeah, um, listen, like, there are so many things about Tropic Thunder that are underrated as fuck, uh, but Ben Stiller is sort of the main character, and again, he's fantastic, and what I think helps Ben Stiller's, uh, contributions to that movie is that he wrote it. Yeah. So, yeah, Ben Stiller, number four, Tug Speedman. Uh, number three, um, it's a double whammy. Uh, Greg Fokker for Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers. So okay, um, what is the? Do you prefer his performance in either movie or like either movie over the one or the other? See, because you also could have said Little Fockers. No, I didn't like that one. Yeah, um, I think I prefer Meet the Parents, but I, I find that the overall like the the supporting cast of Meet the Fockers is so. Perfect. They did a really good job with Meet the Fockers. Oh my god, it, it, it's. You're right. Like, there's more physical comedy, I think, that's funnier about Meet the Fockers, whereas the actual script of Meet the Parents is funnier. Yeah. Um, you know, I... They took the best parts of Meet the Parents 
and they brought it with them. And they did and a great added. job with the character development, yeah. man. Like, everybody's the same character in Meet the Fockers than they were in Meet the Parents. Like, there's no weird sort of, you know, character development that doesn't make sense. Oh, it's I like, became a doctor. No, you're still yeah, a nurse, Yeah, exactly. Greg. No, you're still just a nurse, yeah. 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 That was fantastic. The, the, even the opening scene in Meet the Fockers where, like, now everything at the airport's going right, whereas it went wrong the, the first movie. Like, just little shit like that. Yeah. It's great. This this is probably the go-to role, I think, of when I think of Ben Stiller. Like, when I, okay. someone says Ben Stiller, I just, I think But of, it's not the I funniest for you. Yeah. No, it's not the funniest, but okay. it's it's the probably the most prominent. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what uh, what else what else he got up there. I mean, I think I know, but um, okay. Are you done with? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll get there. Yeah, I'll get to meet the parents in a minute. So you, you got to milk the nipples of the cat. That's... I have nipples, Greg. Yeah, could you milk me? Um, my number three is Hal L. the nurse from Happy Gilmore. Um, I you know, there's so many things I love about Happy Gilmore. But I honestly would have to say my favorite part of the movie is Ben Stiller, um, which is saying something, because it's one of my favorite comedy movies of all time, and as you mentioned, Ben Stiller has, I'm going to say, seven lines, like not a lot. Um, He is just an asshole, he's the devil, he makes uh, Happy Gilmore's grandmother want to die, and it's uh, it's hilarious. It really is. Yeah. Uh, Number two for me, Tug Speedman. Nice, nice, Tug Speedman. Yeah, fantastic. His his commitment to the character above all else. Uh, this movie shall be made. It will be made. It will be glorious. Um, someone get me my TiVo. <laughs> oh, man. I, Ma- killed, I killed a panda. Matthew- you killed a panda? It's probably not even a real name. That's probably not even a real name, dude. Oh, Tug. tug you can't scare me like that, Tugger Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> what? Say no it. TiVo. Say it. Say it with me, buddy. You mama mama make me happy. <laughs> we keep working on the crying, my man. <laughs> if he cries, you cry harder. I like how we just quoted like six quotes <laughs> from the movie, and none of them were Ben Stiller. <laughs> you know the mo- you know the most disappointing thing about um, this trio of top tens we're going to be undertaking is is just the simple fact that. Owen Wilson was supposed to get that role. He couldn't because of certain certain things going on in his life, so they gave it to Matthew McConaughey. Oh my god, but like... Could you... Like, McConaughey kills it, but could you imagine Wilson in that role? I mean, it would be good, but dude... McConaughey... <laughs> do that to me, Tugger McConaughey <laughs> being McConaughey, I think, makes that funnier. But it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's hard to say, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't change it for the world, that's for sure, but... Yeah. No TiVo? <sighs> yeah. Uh, no, Tug- TiVo. Tugger nuts. He fucking runs in on Tom Cruise, eh? <laughs> Listen, fuckhead. Uh, my client has a contract. <laughs> I'm incredibly busy. Why don't you take your contract and go fuck yourself? Yeah. Okay, that's number two. Uh, my number two is Greg Fokker, Meet the Parents. Nice. Uh, honorable mention to Meet the Fockers. But Meet the Parents is, again, one of my favorite comedy movies of all time. Uh, I wish I could have put it on my top ten in terms of what I thought were the funniest, but I would say that I think it's funnier than it probably is. Um, great movie. The scene where, and I will tell you immediately, like my favorite thing I think over the years that's grown on me about Meet the Parents, is the scene where they're all playing volleyball in the pool, 
And Ben Stiller walks out in a Speedo because he didn't bring his bathing suit. And he's just fucking jacked. Like, unnecessarily, like, fucking jacked for this role. It looked like he'd been pumping iron just for this one joke. And it's like, it's so funny because he just, he's just huge, man. So, like, he walks out, they go in the pool, they're playing, do- uh, they're playing volleyball, um, you know, and, like, he's still trying to bond with the family at this point, and they're making fun of him because he sucks at volleyball. So what does he do? He steps up, he spikes the ball as hard as he can into the face of fucking whatever her name is, Burns, like, the sister who's getting married blood everywhere like it's this huge thing and she's getting married so like she can't be bleeding and fucking (laughs) dina burn burns gets up and jumps into the pool to help her daughter who's bleeding and she's fully fucking clothed (laughs) like owen wilson's also in that like that yeah it's crazy oh man yeah yeah so greg fokker Greg Gaylord Fokker. That's fair. All right. I think I got good news for us. I think we got the same number one. I think so, I think buddy. We got the same number one. Number is it, one. Uh, is it White Goodman? White Goodman of Dodgeball. Nice. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Halloween costume that I've ever gone as. That's fair. For sure. Good call. Um, this is the probably the most different sort of character out of all of our top tens that Ben Stiller played. Because you mean an evil gym tyrant? Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. Yeah, who's really good at dodgeball? Apparently, like <laughs> fucking somehow is still the best player on his team. That doesn't make any sense. He's got all these ringers in. Like that's the what's funniest part, right? Is he's left at the end? Shouldn't he just be on the sidelines? And it should be like Michelle is fucking left. Like no, he's left at the end. Um, this movie's incredible, but the best part, and I can say this for sure the best part of the movie is Ben Stiller's character. Um, you know, because he's so stupid. And, like, is just, like, this this classic sort of gym head, um, you know, pumping iron and nothing else to him sort of character. Uh, I think my favorite part is when they're at the bar and, like, Globo Jim shows up and fucking Vince Vaughn looks at him and he's like, Hey, White, good to see you. Did Nazi camp get out early tonight? And... Ben Stiller looks at him and doesn't miss a beat and goes, yes, it did. <laughs> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Yeah. Like, just so many classic lines. Friends, Stelman Obrovich from fucking Romanovia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's great. Vince Vaughn also in this film. Yes. No Owen no Wilson, Owen I guess, Wilson. though. No. We do get Rip Torn, though. That's, that's a nice treat. <laughs> and another appearance by Hank Azaria. And Jason Bateman. It's not a great... Not, right you are, Pepper. Yeah, Pepper. Yeah. Yeah, man. Watch Dodgeball. If you've never seen Dodgeball, you man, should watch Dodgeball. When is the sequel coming? Like, let's go. They gotta be careful. About time. They gotta be careful with it, but they could do it. Is, like, These who, guys are getting too old to be playing Dodgeball. Is, is anyone dead from that cast? I don't think uh, so. Like, Rip Torn's still alive, isn't he? I, or is he dead? I don't know. Rip Torn might be dead. He might have died a few years ago, to be honest with you. No, Rip, Rip Torn's alive. However, he he died in the movie anyway, so I don't think it really Oh, matters. we don't even need him. Yeah, okay, that's true. Uh, everyone that's else too is bad. alive, I think. I guess, yeah. yeah. I guess they didn't really kill off. And he's, like, he's still married to her, which is even better. Because fucking Ben Stiller's married to Christine Taylor in real life. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. As far as I know, they're still married anyway, so. Nice. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's yeah, go. I'm down. Come on. Let's do it. Let's start the hashtag. Get the sequel. Dodgeball. Yeah. Ooh, shit. There we go. I wouldn't hate that. He could be, uh, he could be their new dodgeball coach. Or better yet, they could be like, Peter LaFleur could be coaching Owen Wilson's gym because they're trying to win the dodgeball tournament. Something. Sure. Why is it only gyms in the dodgeball tournament? Did they ever establish that? It's just a bunch of gyms. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's, yeah. not, it's, it's never like the Croatian national team. <laughs> No, actually, I think the German national team is the one <laughs> coached by David Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. a weird, weird fucking movie. <laughs> it, like, try to explain... Who do we beat to go to the tournament? Oh, a bunch of 12-year-old girls. God damn you, Bernice. <laughs> Oh, and then, man. like, the side story with Justin Long as a oh, cheerleader is yeah. just... Yeah. All the side stories, dude. Like, <laughs> they got a dude who thinks he's a fucking pirate, James. <laughs> thinks he's a pirate. <laughs> Chuck Norris is a judge for this tournament. It makes no sense. If you were to describe this movie to someone who had never seen it, like, I hope there's one person, there isn't, but, like, I hope there's one person listening to this right now that's never seen Dodgeball. A true underdog story is what it's actually called. I don't think my girlfriend's seen it. Oh, my God. I could be wrong. Do you think she'd like it? No. No, I... <laughs> not a chance. Come on. How, do we, how would you not like a movie about a Dodgeball-playing maniac? <laughs> Two gyms. You know, against each other, as they are. Wait. And then they settle it by playing Dodgeball. Wait, actors named Jim? No, no, no. Like, where you work out. <laughs> Two gyms. Two literal gyms. Fuck. I don't know. I'll go home and watch that tonight. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Maybe I won't. Maybe not tonight. Michelle. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Well, I think that's it. Those are your top ten. Top ten. Top ten. Next week, top ten Owen Wilson films. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I, I guess that's it. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. You can uh, listen to us on Apple Music, on Spotify, Clomper, Pocket Casts, um, Anchor, Portugal Radio. Mm. Uh, yeah. See. I guess that's it. See. Si, senor. Donde esta la biblioteca? Okay, you got anything else? Got, any, got anything out? Go Blues. Okay. Yeah. Um, by the time you are listening to this, or shortly after you hear this, I will uh, be, uh, I'll have a piece out on Puck 77. I am breaking down this year's heart candidates, which should be fun. Mm. Uh, I will also have a piece out next week about what I think the Jets should do in the offseason, so that should be interesting. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to play armchair GM. Should be should be good. Love it. Run some numbers, you know. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See you later. Well, about time for me to be hitting the old dusty trail. I like your hat.